So page 1223, 2 Peter 3. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the Holy Prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your Apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on since, as, just since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. (laughs) Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless blameless and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Uh, Thanks, Martin. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Nice to see you. Nice to have some uh, visitors with us. You're very welcome. My name's Sam, one of the uh, pastors here. Uh, We're going to be looking through the final chapter of 2 Peter today, Um, and uh, I couldn't really think of any way of starting, Um, and then I thought of football, and I don't even like football, but when that final whistle goes, uh, you really want to be on the winning side, don't you? Uh, It's either uh, joy, excitement, wonder... 
uh, or it's, it's the end of your life. Um, the problem is, uh, in real life, uh, it's not a game. And 2 Peter is going to remind us of that. So let me pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, wherever we stand before you today, in firm belief, or trusting in your word, in the Lord Jesus, or questioning, or doubting, or, or simply just we don't believe, we pray that you would reveal yourself clearly to us today. May we respond well by your grace to the Lord Jesus and to your word. We pray in his name. Amen. Uh, we'll do have those uh, Bibles open. Uh, let's start at verse 1. Uh, stand firm in the Bible, I've called. Uh, the whole sermon is about standing firm in the Bible, uh, and there's a couple of elements to it that we'll see as we go through. So uh, verse 1 of chapter 3 of 2 Peter. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Uh, no one's quite certain what the first letter was. Uh, it was probably 1 Peter, but it might be a letter we don't know uh, that he's written. It may be something else. But what's important is that Peter is reminding his readers that wholesome thinking is important. Uh, and that's a phrase that it just means to be very sincere or pure in your thinking. But what are we to be thinking about? What is it that we're to be sincere about? Well, it's the Holy Scriptures. So have a look at verse 2. Uh, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and, command, and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Uh, it's a contrast he's setting up against the false teachers who he's about to mention in verse 3. They're scoffers of God's word, but Christians are to be recallers of God's word, of the Bible. Uh, you'll either trust it, believe it, think of it sincerely, wholesomely, purely, or you'll be treating it as a scoffer. Uh, so to think wholesomely, we're to study it, to read it, to recall the holy prophets, by which he means uh, what we call the Old Testament, and the commands of the Lord and uh, Saviour, by which we call the New Testament. Uh, and this contrast is seen today between scoffers and wholesome thinking of the word. You either believe and trust the full word of God, even the bits we find hard to understand or to apply, or we'll have to explain them away, won't we? We'll have to sort of scoff at them. They don't really apply to me. Uh, and a false teacher is simply someone who starts to deny or scoff at the word of God and then starts to teach others uh, what they're saying. They teach them to scoff as well. So verse 3 says, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil de desires. And the more you say scoff, the weirder it sounds. But anyway, it is evil desires that cause us to scoff or doubt the word of God, we read in that verse. Anytime we decide that we know better, uh, or the world offers something better than God's word, or we argue that the Bible is somehow out of date, uh, it is our way of elevating our own views over and above God's views, if the Bible is his word. Uh, so we're not thinking sincerely or wholesomely or purely about God's word if we do that with it. And if we start to teach others those views, well, then we join the ranks of false teacher leading others astray, scoffing at God's word. But we must stand firm in the Bible. Wholesome thinking, says Peter. 
And the false teachers in 2 Peter were picking and choosing what they believed and taught. And we're about to see that they are, they are denying that Jesus would return. He's died, he's risen again, he's ascended to heaven, and they're denying that he'll come again. And you can't have the return of Jesus without his judgment as well. And so we see they're, uh, they're denying that judgment is coming, basically. So you know, I'll take Jesus and his forgiveness and his love, uh, but not the bits about judgment. I'll take the bits about loving my neighbour, that's, that's easy enough, but I'll argue, argue away the bits about loving my enemy, maybe. I'll take the bits about do not steal, I, I can understand that, but I, I'll ignore the bits about saving sex for marriage between one man and one woman, uh, for example, as we saw in Leviticus uh, in our previous series. Think wholesomely by assuming God's word is always right, and we are often not. Stand firm in the Bible. Uh, That is how Peter begins this last chapter. Uh, And why is it important? Uh, Well, because uh, our first main point, judgment is real. Jesus is coming. You see, false teachers always start with the truth, but betray the whole truth, uh, verse 3, to suit their evil desires. Uh, No doubt the false teachers at this time said that they loved Jesus. Uh, Maybe they confirmed that he was the son of God. Uh, We don't know. Maybe all sorts of things sounded right but they were denying something very significant. Verse 4, this is what they'll say. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. So they're denying that Jesus was coming back instead of standing firm in the Bible, what the commands of Jesus had said. Uh, They looked at the world, they looked at their own hearts and, and their own wisdom, and they concluded... Well, most a generation has died since Jesus ascended to heaven, uh, and so maybe he's not coming back. In fact, it's been like this since creation began. So don't take his command too seriously. You know, live a little. And we know from last week uh, the false teachers were, were allowing them to live in sin and not to live a godly life. The problem is that the coming of the Lord Jesus is always understood in the Bible as also him coming in judgment. He will come to uh, judge the wicked and to redeem the godly. So denying his return, as these false teachers are doing, uh, allows us to ignore our sin. Uh, These false teachers' theology end up in teaching that godliness is unimportant. It doesn't matter. Sin's okay. Just just crack on. Don't worry. Jesus isn't returning. So there's no judgment to to come. Nothing of that sort is going to happen. Uh, effectively, they're denying the power of the cross, aren't they? If there's, no Je- Sorry, if there's no judgment, then Jesus did not need to die in our place. It's pointless. Why did he die? But, says Peter, stand firm in the Bible, the word of God. And unlike false teachers, verse 5, this is what they do, but they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, so he refers to God's word, the scriptures, uh, Uh, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Uh, What's his point? Well, they forget the very word of God. They don't stand firm to it. So they forget that they're actually repeating history. God created the world and he began with the basic element of water. On the screen is Genesis 1, verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. 
and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This is how it all began, with water. And it wasn't long into creation, if we read Genesis, we're doing, starting Genesis in September, uh, it wasn't long into creation of humanity that they began to deny the relevance of God and his judgment. It's almost identical to that of the false teachers of Peter's time. So Genesis 6, 5 to 8, also on the screen. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created and with them the animals, the birds and the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. I mean, how foolish must have Noah's community thought of him as he built that colossal ark. Judgment is coming. Change your ways. Get on board. Uh, God's not coming. Judgment's not on its way. We can carry on however we like. Uh, But sure enough, the very waters that were there and God created out of were the very waters that brings judgment upon all of creation and all that are spared and Noah, his family and a few animals. Trust and believe the Bible, not false teachers who bend or forget the truth of judgment that is coming is the point. Jesus will certainly return and he will certainly judge. God has done it before. You can read about it in the Old Testament. And so he will do it again as Jesus promised he will return in the New Testament. Uh, I think the repetitive use of the word word uh, also seems deliberate, uh, and it sort of mirrors the word of water. So water was there in the beginning, and God used it to uh, judge and destroy. Verse 5, God's word created. It was there in the beginning. And again, verse 7, we're going to read it. God's word is what will bring judgment. It was there in the beginning, it will be there at the end to bring judgment. So verse 7, by the same word that created, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. The New Testament does a good job of explaining that the word of creation from God was the Lord Jesus himself. He was there at the beginning, he created, he'll be there at the end. He will judge, just as the waters. Uh, 1 John, sorry, John 1.14 says, The word became flesh, made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. Jesus created the world. He will end the world. Just as water began the world and ended the world, so the full and final judgment that began in the word of God will end by the word of God. Jesus is coming back. And he will judge. Don't doubt it. Even though we're still waiting, says 2 Peter. So verse 8, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the day, sorry, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years are like a day. God is outside of time. Uh, Your false teachers deny that he will return because, you know, it's been a while. But God is not constrained by time why is he delaying verse 9 the lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness instead he is patient with you 
not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The false teachers used delay as a cause for attack on God's promises. Well, he's, he's messed up there, hasn't he? While God uses his, his delay to love people like that, he wants people to be saved. And so he gives time, even still till today, in 2023, time to do what? To repent, because judgment is coming. It's why evangelism, telling others about Jesus, is so crucial for us as Christians. Because God's not sort of delaying his return so we can have a blast on this world, you know, with all the sin and the sickness and the death and the hate and the problems and the painful work. No, he's delaying so that his people, you and I, can warn everyone of his coming judgment. He says it again in verse 15, that the Lord's patience means salvation. If he returns tonight, uh, who have you not told about Jesus? Well, then they will face the judgment of God's right wrath. So tell them. Ask them, what do you think happens after death? Uh, listen to them and then, and then tell them what you believe from the Bible. Offer them Jesus who can save them from the judgment to come because he loves them. Before it's too late. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. If you knew a thief was coming, you'd get ready, wouldn't you? We had a number of burglaries just around our house, so we put up cameras. Don't tell anyone, but they're not connected to anything, but they do flash. (laughs) You get ready, don't you? And so we live a godly life. We tell others of Jesus. We remind them we, we need to repent. We don't know when he's coming. It's not going to be pretty. Otherwise, uh, it, it's not surprising, is it, that the false teachers deny the return of Jesus and therefore his judgment of all things. It, it, of course it's not surprising, it, it's terrifying. Uh, God is, verse 7, reserving the ungodly for judgment and eternal destruction. The secrets of our hearts, our fantasies, the things done in secrets, our attitude towards God and towards others, all of it's going to be laid bare as the earth is laid bare. Uh, Almost like post-it notes across a massive whiteboard of all the things that deserve God's judgment. How nice to think it won't happen. How nice to teach that it won't happen. Make my job easier today. How nice to ignore or or deviate for some aspects of God's word so it doesn't seem so bad for us. It's not surprising false teachers are all around us and will tell you that he's not returning or judgment's not coming. But that is why we must stand firm to the Bible. It's not for us to decide. And if we believe it, we will respond by warning others. We will respond by truly seeking to live a godly life because Jesus has saved us from that coming judgment by his mercy if we have repented and believed in him. Have we been swayed by false teachers or even our own hearts to not believe that judgment is coming? 
I mean, this chapter is almost like a greatest hits of least believed doctrines by Christians, isn't it? Judgment is real, but don't like that. The ungodly will be reserved for destruction by God's right justice. Jesus is coming back. Yes, really, he is coming back. We don't know when, but we do really trust in his word. And we know he will. At the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, is to be fully believed and lived by. The world needs to be warned and offered Jesus so that they may repent for rejecting God just as we have. In September, we're launching a, uh, a renewed focus and effort as, in evangelism as a church. But don't wait till then. Christ might return halfway through your summer holidays. For some of us, that might be a good thing. For some, it might be a bad Tell people now before it's too late. Uh, so, so what? Jesus is coming back. Judgment is real. Uh, what's our response? The second part. So be godly. Be godly. Have a look at verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, so what? What kind of people ought we to be? Great question. You ought to live holy and godly lives. Because Jesus really will return and really will judge, live holy and godly lives. It simply means to live for Jesus, not for ourselves. To live according to the word, to wholesome thinking, not man-made lies. And why wouldn't we want to live in obedience for Jesus? For unlike the person who does not repent before Jesus... Christians do not live in fear of judgment. We've been freed. It is gone. In fact, this is the whole point of the Christian faith. And why we must not deny Jesus' return and judgment. Because we have been saved from it. We've been promised salvation and eternal life with Jesus. That's extraordinary. Not through being godly and holy, No, verse 9, through repentance. A free gift. Nothing we could do of ourselves. Repent and believe in the forgiveness of Jesus, who took away your judgment upon himself. That is why he had to die. So we do not empty the cross of his power. Repent and believe, so that your sin may be put upon him, and you receive the eternal promised life. That well-known verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It is incredible that we deserve judgment, but we are freely given life. So we don't stop at verse 11 as if our godliness sort of saves us from judgment, and we do it out of fear. The judgment is coming, we better behave. No, we behave because of all that Jesus has done for us. We rightly repent out of fear when we know God's wrath is coming. That's okay. But now we're saved. Look at all he's given us. We're freed from the fear. Who else would we live for? So again, verse 11, and I'll I'll read a bit further, because now we're not filled with fear if we've repented. We're filled with, with joy. Verse 11, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be? Good question. We ought to live holy and godly lives as you, t- as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. We're looking forward to it. 
That day will bring about the destructions of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. How different it will be for those who have repented. Destruction for this world is coming and judgment awaits, but those who have repented and believe in Jesus have joy and seek to live godly lives because we trust in his promises that a new heaven and a new earth are coming our way. And in that place righteousness dwells, everything good and right and proper before God and with us. Eternity will be incredible, perfect, righteous, glorious, joyful. Uh, The earth will be destroyed, but a perfect new world will be ours with Jesus. His word created it once, and he will create again. It will be so good and so wonderful that the prospect of an eternal promise gives us joy even now, even in this earth that faces judgment. We have joy because he saved us. We look forward to that day. Jesus, our Lord, our King, will return and welcome his children who have repented and followed him. All goodness and love, all praise will go to God. And we will love it. And we will love him perfectly. What a day that will be. So we long for it. Evil, sin, illness, tears, all wiped away. And it will all be ours in joy. Through Jesus. So then, dear friends, verse 14, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. Uh, The next couple of verses remind us that it's not just Peter saying these things, Uh, this is what Scripture contains. He talks of Paul and his letters. Uh, Gives a little side jab that Paul's slightly harder to understand than Peter. But don't be swayed from God's word, he says. I'm not just the one saying this. This is of God. It's his word. Stand firm in the Bible. It's all here. So verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. Don't listen to Uh, or don't when you hear be swayed or tempted by false teachings he says be on your guard open your bibles don't listen to anyone not even me especially not me unless i have a bible open and you have a bible open stand firm to god's word recall it believe it trust it rejoice in it here in the bible you find the gospel of jesus the good news that saves You find a call to repentance and belief. You find a call to live a godly life in response to all that Jesus has done for you. You're reminded of all that he's done, as we'll celebrate later in the Lord's Supper. Your confidence is in the word. Your joy is in the word. Your assurance of his return and judgment is all found in the word, given to you. Stand firm by it. Don't believe the lies. Believe God as he reveals himself in his word. Open it, read it, submit to it, for it's the word of God. Don't risk your faith, he says. Don't risk your position with Jesus. Don't play with fire, quite literally, pun intended. 
And so we finish with verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen.